good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and today we're talking about, once again, future seeing, which is the theme of our month of February. Today, in the realm of success, let's talk about future seeing, and causes begin early. The lessons of this realm of understanding are devoted to the basic structure of the future. Any person who can look ahead in the slightest degree can see the necessity of development of a race of human beings, men and women, that will be able to make use of the advancement of the Earth's progress. In other words, see to the future. We now reach the study of cause and effect and its operation in everyday life. The difference between these lines of study is easy to perceive. One relates to the succession of a, of a generation, and the other relates to the succession of events in the same generation. It's an old saying that what a person sows, they reap. But it's not easy to know what one is sowing. In order to come into a close understanding of the process of events, let's, ta let's take a few uh, runs at activities that will prove and help us understand this. Firstly, we know that a dog barking next door can be annoying. <laughs> That's not really part of this. So let's continue. The future of the child is, is chiefly, if not wholly, in the control of the parent. I think we can all agree on this. That a parent's behaviour, the unlived life of the parent, is going to manifest in the child. This is a trauma for most of us because we see children being parented and we go, man, this is going to end up unwell. The future of the child is, is chiefly, if not wholly, in the control of the parent. Most parents deal only with the immediate present in shaping the career uh, of their children. But as a twig is bent, so the tree is inclined. It's a powerful proverb and we find uh, adages of abundance bearing on this a most important thing, that the parents and their parenting is going to affect the child for life. Bending the twig applies to the young child, sowing and reaping apply to the older children and developing as they develop into an adult. The twig must be bent by some person in charge. It has been suggested that a society shall be devoted to the welfare of the adult, shall enlist the services of training parents of how to train their children. So let's have a look at this and see what, uh, we, what comes out of it. Of course, the, the name of our society could be the Civic Future Seeing Association. Let's have a look. As money is wasted in, in millions of a year catering to the weaklings and people who are stuck in the past and want to dwell in the past and have developed habits and beliefs and, and formulas for making the past uh, look relevant to the present, it would seem to be part of the wisdom that we could take some of that money, the millions and millions of dollars that are spent on self-help and self-aggrandizement and, and self-living in the past, and apply some of it to the future. Maybe the society could see future seeing as an endowment. Let's, uh, let's associate organisations everywhere with the future. Then the first step would be to open the eyes of bigoted parents who think they know more about their own affairs than strangers do. 
It sounds as if they ought to know more, uh, but the fact is they know practically nothing about the future of their child except they want to throw their own garbage on top of the child and modify the child's behaviour through judgment and criticism and whatever it may be and think that they, in their little incubated cubicle, know best for the child. But what they're doing, in fact, is bruising the child and causing the tree to change shape. There is not one mother in a thousand and not one father in a thousand who knows what kind of food is best for a child. And the physicians have to look up books And they give stereotyped advice. A sample of medical knowledge that is applied to the management of children is seen that when a child's crying a lot, what do they do? They go and give analgesics, they they look at the child and see what the problem is, but the problem is always in the parent. When you get on an aeroplane and the child is crying and crying, look to the fear of the parent who's holding the child, the fear of flying, the fear of accidents, the fear of the child being fearful. And you'll find the source of the child's fear. And so we adjust the child instead of the future. And therefore we cause the child to be a transmission of a generation of problems that have been passed from grandmother to mother to child and father to grandfather to child. The whole physical future of the child depends on the diet it gets. And we know that mother's milk is the perfect source uh, when it's possible, but that is only uh, a value uh, to the degree of what the mother herself is, uh, is, is consuming. The pains and suffering of infancy and childhood are due to the lack of knowledge of this. Doctors are weak and deficient in giving advice uh, because they are legally and they are morally bound to complicity. They're not to blame. And then we've got new steps and new technologies which make it easier and faster and simpler to feed the child because it gives them the right vitamins and the right minerals and the right proteins. But nobody talks about the vibration or the energy or the content or the quality of the food. So if better bodies can be uh, obtained by taking the proper steps at the first part of a new being's life, all efforts should be made to accomplish this. We're down at Bondi. We see people, pregnant people going for a run. We're eight months pregnant. We see people walking in the sun with a newborn baby. We see people in the wind with a a, a six-week-old baby who's gasping for air. We see all sorts of dietary and coffee going down and alcohol going down and all sorts of things. And, and And these are the more advanced people who think they know what's best and they will reject the mass knowledge, they will reject the community's knowledge and say, I know best for my child. That's a poison place to be. The mind can be shaped from the first weeks of life as well, not just the body. Given good health from the start and freedom from pain, let the attention be turned back to the mental ideas that will first come across the baby's brain. In the last three months before it's born, the baby is picking up the energy, the motions, the vibrations of the mother. And her vibrations are due to her interactions with the father and those around her. The child comes out of a universal sea and must develop its own working intellect. And surely 
the mother and the father must be aware that their energies and their vibrations and their thoughts and their feelings during this three-month period before birth and certainly within the first three years are going to influence the child for life. And yet, we're stuck. We're stuck in the past, present, future, thinking that we know best for our child and we hand over exactly the problems unfinished to the child to live out their whole life just to repair the damage that's been done in this first period of time. Every direct, big and small action will affect the child in this period. Health of the body and the activity of mind are two great beginnings for every life. No force is necessary. No force should be allowed. Sleep, if wanted, should be given. But a dull wakefulness is not required. But we've got a car and we've got a schedule and we've got coffee to have with friends and the baby won't sleep and the mother has a busy day and the father has a busy day and the, and the baby's needs become, how do I schedule this baby? How do I get this baby to comply? How do I get this baby to sleep so I can sleep? And so the I becomes the core, not the future at all. The moral nature depends wholly on the aspect of right and wrong that fills the first years when the young mind is able to know the affirmative from the negative and sometimes the child is punished for being good and they're criticised for being bad because good and bad are defined in the existence of the parent who has isolated themselves from the mass isolated themselves from the future, isolated themselves into what do I think is right inside my house that gives me peace, that gives me calm. Children are, are taught obedience. Obedience to what? It's an ironic circumstance that we're teaching them obedience so that they behave themselves, but behave themselves to what paradigm? Early independence is really important. It's always better to build a house from the foundations up than to recreate it from the top down once the child has become 30 or 40 or 50 years old. Any house can be constructed or repaired, but the wiser plan is to be sure of good foundations. In human life, much suffering and trouble can be avoided. Nearly all misfortunes of men and women may be traced to the errors of inattention at the beginning. With health well founded, with the mind well started, with the moral nature in, in sense of uh, uh, friendliness and, 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 the, and the requisite for complicity uh, be open, uh, being an open door, the child has a great chance of following their own path throughout their life. Parents always love to look after their children when they've grown up. The children turn 8, 9, 10 and the parents say, I'm going to play soccer with my kids or I'm going to look after my kids because they're 12 or 13. But they've already fucked it up. It already happened in the first 18 months. And then it's repair work. And repairing a house, I promise you, it's built on a wobbly foundation, may look like it's a great effort, but the future has already been set in stone. Band-aids don't work. 
it's really wise to let kids know that luck plays no part in life. The things that seem to be luck are absolutely not luck. They are natural effects of natural causes, cause and effect. But sometimes it looks like luck. It looks like events come from corruption. It looks like success comes from tricks. But it's not. The most unsafe thing in this life, especially in view of uh, the way th- people do things now on the internet, is to expect something to turn up. To wait for the coconut to drop out of the tree. To wait for a ship to come in. It's just not wise. To hope for a legacy from a rich relative or uh, is just playing a part of a beggar. Earn what you get. Earn as much as you can. Accumulation is taught by nature. There is no such thing as chance in the sense that it's, that it's not understood. There is cause and there is effect. And the person who is in future seeing, the person who wishes to really, really be part of the future of humanity, will not talk about luck, will not talk about randomness of events or unfortunate circumstances. They will predict. In the lessons we have listened to so far, We are teaching you to act for others, to build for the child, not for yourself. I mean my you. And in the process, you build for yourself. Fond parents erect fine castles, which are grander as, as the distance is greater between of the time of birth and their time of fulfilment. But as time approaches, the hopes dwindle until the last grows up, the child grows up and stands face to face with the reality that there was no castle and luck doesn't exist. Each year a little slice has shaved off the early expectations of the parents. It's the duty of parents to open the mind of the child as soon as possible. This is done by playing in the sand and, 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 and losing at sport and doing all sorts of things the child might not enjoy, but that's far better than building castles in the sky that get smaller and smaller as you get closer and closer. We start to define ourselves by our profession. What will you be when you grow up? This profession and that. It may be better to define ourselves by what we want to give in the future rather than what we want to be. Our usefulness to the world determines our self-worth. I, me, my, you. What you give to others determines your self-worth, self-respect. If you spend a day looking after yourself, lulling about, then you know that that is going to cause, only tomorrow, the loss of what you were hoping for. But if you spend today asking, what can I do for you? What can I do for you, my clients, your family, your, the bigger picture? And if you give to those who appreciate, which is typically those who pay for it, because if you give for free, You are just, if you want to call it that, jerking off. 
Give to those who value it. Don't throw pearls before swine, etc., etc. If people don't say thank you, if people can't pay for your service, if people can't value what you deliver to them, then you have to argue with yourself. Is it them or is it you that's not valuing yourself and, and are willing to give it away for free? We know that about, I don't know, 200, 300,000 years ago, primitive people came on this earth. We know that they sought caves and lived in stone uh, buildings. The first architecture of the human race was a pile of rocks. But there's an instinct of a building. As the mind develops... In power, there came huts and wigwams and mud homes and stone rooms. Progress began as, as, we, 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 as we demonstrated that we have an innate, uh, innate appetite to build. Nature teaches. If a person today wants to make themselves a leader... And that person needs to, be a, needs to be a builder of things. The person who is able to help someone build their home, build something, is going to be the leader. It doesn't matter what. Many and most billionaires build things. Speaking here about cause and effect. The person who produces something, the person who produces something is at cause. The person who is on a treadmill, spinning around, the salesperson produces nothing. The storekeeper, milk comes in, milk goes out and they trade it. These people produce nothing. The value to the future is the producer, the one who makes something from something and the thing that they made is bigger and better. The person who helps others build bigger is a person who is adding value to the world. The person who takes an apple from nature and turns it into an apple on the kitchen table is a producer. They produced an apple. The person who delivers it produce nothing. We have to be careful to, be, to, to avoid becoming small-minded in future seeing, to understand that it's our, to be the cause, we must build something, we must produce something, we must create something out of something that's bigger than what it was when we found it. In coaching, I believe I create bigger people with more wealth, more love, more uh, leadership, more governance over those who are wallowing in, in stuck in the past, present, future and create a bigger world from that. I believe that that's the purpose of coaching is to grow people, to grow them like you grow an apple or grow a tree or grow a, a, a building so that that tree can produce more and give more and share more. So the concept of being a trader which buy an orange, sell an orange, buy an apple, sell an apple, is of no interest in cause and effect. All it does 
is an attempt to accumulate arbitrage between A and B. This is of no interest in future scene. I'm going to wind this up with a really interesting concept. Take no chances. The most important law of cause and effect in life is to take no chances. And we need to learn it, and it's the basis of all things. Now, it's possible to take chances and not lose. But it is contrary to the law of cause and effect. The meaning of the law is, is this. If you train your mind to avoid taking chances, you will never lose. It is then a mathematical certainty that you will win. All persons need to master this law if you're interested in future seeing. It may make you overcautious a little bit, but that's a far better fault than the opposite. Let's try to apply the principle and see how it works out. Say, take, for example, a person says, when I get older, I would love to own a house so I don't have to depend on charity. Well, that's breaking the law. It's taking a chance that in the future sometime, some luck will change and that person will, through a circumstance of, of unknown causation, uh, come across enough wealth to build a house, to buy a house. Lay the foundation in the first available period and do not defer that period in the belief that it will be all right to wait and see what turns up. The person who is looking for something to turn up is all, always turned down eventually. There are some things that serve to reverse good judgment. One of them is, this, is the idea that if you risk nothing, you will gain nothing. That's a fallacy. The fact is, if you never risk anything, you will never lose anything. And that's always true. So the person who takes risks will win sometimes, but on the average, over a period of time, will lose. They are playing with, his, with chance. And the rule of averages is always against the person who plays with chance. The hard-headed, solid person who abides by this rule and does not go into radical extreme will win out every time. It's the rule that applies to every phase of life. You, it will never fail you, but you must not be childishly influenced by the fallacy that if you risk nothing, you will gain nothing. That is a ridiculous notion. For every good road in this world, there are a dozen bad ones. Adages like that serve to weaken the willpower of human beings. This is Chris. Have a beautiful day. Bye for now.